This is Keep It Simple, a weekly discussion of significant issues regarding the Word of God and His people. Our host is Pastor Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, and the Simple Truths Radio Ministries. Good day. Welcome to Keep It Simple, weekly internet talk show of the Simple Truths Radio Network. Pastor Xavier, how are you doing today? Good, Tony. How about yourself? Great. Happy to be here. Excited. Our, we have with us in the studio our production engineer, Jonathan Durant. Good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 147 on Tuesday, the 14th of January, 2020. Amen. Yes. Also, our special guest, uh, Pastor Fernando Gonzalez from Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. Amen. Today, we're going to uh, dedicate some time to discuss details of what, well, I don't know, maybe one of the most controversial uh, Christian doctrines of the 20th century anyway, and that is the biblical teaching concerning the rapture of the church. Pastor X, for the benefit of our listeners, and maybe some who are not all that familiar, when we talk about the rapture of the church, what do we mean? Well, the Bible speaks about a time when Jesus promised that he would come back for his church. We're not talking about the second coming. We're talking about a time when he's going to remove his church from this earth, uh, when the full number of people to be saved in the age of grace, then there is a, what they call harpazo, suddenly, violently. Um, Paul speaks about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse uh, 15, 17 specifically. Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus taught it, first of all, in John 14, 1 through 3. Um, and that he will remove his church from the world prior to the beginning of the day of the Lord, which is throughout the Old Testament, a day of wrath, a day of indignation, a day of darkness, a day of gloom. And at the time when God pours out his wrath upon a godless world who has rejected him, uh, and then there's the appearance of the Antichrist. So uh, at this one point in time, several things happened at the same time. The rapture takes place. There's the attack of Israel by Russia and her Islamic confederate nation, Ezekiel 38-39, and that begins the day of the Lord. So three things are happening all at the same time, plus the appearance of the Antichrist, which is the fourth thing, all at the same time. Wild. It's yeah. a, it's going to be a busy day. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it, probably important for us to acknowledge that there's some serious opposition to the biblical doctrine of the rapture, coming from, some from up from unbelievers and then some from uh, maybe what we would call the postmodern church. Right. They have they have all kinds of gripes. And the critics of the rapture, Pastor X, they like to hold that this uh, idea is sort of a recent invention. Yeah, yeah. You hear that in a lot of different places. Well, they, they come up with all kinds of stuff. Um, um, they say that Darby is the one that um, James Darby invented it, and he didn't invent it. Um, as I pointed out, John 14, 1 through 3, Jesus says... Uh, that he will come to receive us to himself. You must make the distinction between Jesus coming for his church and with his church. At the rapture, he comes for his church to be with him. At the second coming, the church comes back with him to set up the kingdom. Amen. So, so if you don't make the distinction between that, and this is where the confusion comes in, people put the church in the tribulation period. Uh, a very simple principle in Romans 5.9 and 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says that God has not appointed us to wrath, but to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul speaks about being awake as children of the light. 
Um, Luke um, 21 says, Pray and watch that you be worthy to escape all these things that will come upon the world. That's the day of tribulation, the day of wrath. So if you mark the context, and this is the important thing, you find the controversy things in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Amen. And Jesus used same phrases at different times to mean different things. So the context is very important, um, as we'll see as we move on. Circling back to this, the guy Darby and the idea that this is a recent invention, right. this just happened in the 19th century, uh, Darby was involved in popularizing, repopularizing, bringing it to the forefront and teaching the idea to some degree. But we, we find it like, for instance, uh, in teaching biblical teachings by scholars going way back. Yeah. Well, again... Even if we have nobody, Jesus taught it. Amen. Paul taught it. Yes. John taught it. So that is all the authority we need. But um, you also have early church fathers. First century fathers were uh, disciples of the apostles. Justin Martyr, um, who an Iranian who studied under Polycarp. Polycarp worked with the apostle John for over 20 years in ministry. Iranians also testified and he occasionally saw the Apostle John himself. Um, from Papias in 70 A.D. to Lactanias about 285 A.D., including Tertullian and Origen, the doctrine of the Church Fathers was pre-millennialism till the 4th century when they began to teach amillennialism, namely schism or of Nepos. Now, let me explain those terms. Okay, Pre-millennialism means that the Lord will come back for a church before the millennial. Before a literal thousand years. A year. literal thousand years. Okay. And then amillennial, when you put an A in front of a Greek word, it negates it, no millennial. And there are some people who do not believe in a literal thousand-year reign. Yet Revelation 20 and all the major and minor prophets teach that. Yeah. And so, again, um, the important thing is not how many different teachings are there. The question is, how many of those are legitimately viable within the context of Scripture? And right. that's the key, in context. Are they biblical? Right. Now, Pastor Fernando, I know you talk to a lot of people, or some people at least, who are in uh, modern uh, biblical seminaries and Bible schools and stuff. And this amillennial, the whole idea that there's not a, not going to be a thousand-year reign of Christ. That's pretty common, isn't it? It's, it is very common, and unfortunately, it it begins to, I think, uh, create a lukewarm church. Uh, this idea that, you know, here Christ gave us incredible hope that he's going to come back for us. And I, I don't know how you can avoid those scriptures, but yet people do. In a postmodern world, they don't believe the word, the word of God is the literal word of that's God. That's and that's the, the problem. Amen. Yeah. They're really taking people, trusting people in churches who want to come and study the Bible, and they're saying, okay, well, this this part of the Bible, this is not... This is not true. They pick and yeah. choose. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they don't have any confidence that they can learn any objective truth from the Bible. Therefore, they never say the Bible says. Mm -hmm. They just subjectively interpret, um, which means they spiritualize the text out of yeah. context yeah. to make it say whatever they want. And they're really being um, unfaithful servants to the interpretation of Scripture. 
and therefore really robbing the people of the proper interpretation, which leads us to God, to the fear of God. Well, isn't that what the preterists do? Right. The preterists spiritualize the book of Revelation. Right. Amen. Same Amen. thing. And, and you know, I don't know about you guys, but this is terrifying to me. <laughs> I mean, because I'm thinking there Absolutely. are well-intended, sincere people who've come to faith in Christ. <laughs> they're going to churches, and the people that they're listening to, some of them, pastors well-intended pastors that have been taught this at seminary and bible college and they're just passing on the same unfortunate lies right and again the the thousand year reign is not for the church okay though we're going to reign with him in the thousand years Mm -hmm. prophetically the thousand years the millennial kingdom is for israel to fulfill all the promises god gave to abraham and on abraham isaac and jacob to occupy all the land that God promised to them, even at the highest uh, peak of rain under Solomon. Solomon did not occupy all the land. It goes from Lebanon all the way on down. Amen. And so they will fulfill the occupation of all the land, all the promises. The uh, Gentiles will serve the Jew. The wealth of the Gentiles will be over in Israel, and the worship center for the world will be Jerusalem, and every nation will have to come and once a year, or they will get no rain. That, that, that's, for there not being a literal thousand years, there's sure a lot of details <laughs> about a, that. That's a lot going about on. About that thousand years. <laughs> it's all over the scripture. All right, so we will rule and reign with Jesus as priest, but... Israel will occupy the earth literally. And during that thousand years, those people that did not receive the mark of the beast, they enter into the kingdom, repopulate the earth as well as Israel, and they will live longevity like prior to the flood, and people will have to repent to be born again. Amen. Satan will be bound for those thousand years. We're ruling and reigning with him. We are not tempted. We are not uh, have to do any. We, we're glorified with Christ. And so during that thousand year, uh, it's the last run of Satan as he again causes the nations to rebel against God. It's funny that what precedes that, though, is the rapture, right? Right. Yes. We have the age yes. of grace, and right. then we have the rapture, which kind of right. kicks things off. Right. And I just like to. To finalize this idea of us pointing to the early church fathers, we agree with the early church fathers when they agree with Scripture. Right. Because there's right. stuff that they taught that right. was really not right. right. And there are there are certain church fathers. I may quote a church father for the rapture, right. but then I'll quote him for being wrong in another thing. Like, for instance, infant baptism. Right. Yeah. So it's not that we're fickle or that we're being hypocrites. No. We're judging the person whether it be a church father or whoever, to the scriptures. When they agree with the scriptures, we will quote them. When they disagree, we will expose them, just as we should for pastors today or anything else. Paul called people out by name, Hymenius, Alexander, Demas. Why? Because he hated them? No, because he loved God and his church to protect them. Amen. Amen. You know, there, there. Obviously, again, there are things the early church fathers said, as you said, that we don't, we don't agree with. But what we see in the scripture, clearly and plainly laid out, is the teaching of God taking His people right. to be with Him, and again, prior 
to the Great Tribulation. Sure. And now we're, we're about 2,000 years down the road. Okay, and so all these people start doing all this academic work and, you know, and they get their theses and all that. But the early church fathers that taught the rapture was Irenaeus, 130 to 202. Um, there was uh, Victorianus in A.D. 240, Cyprian, A.D. 220 to 258. Um, and we can go on and on and on. I mean, verbiage and language that is parallel to Jesus speaking, I will come back to receive you to myself, being removed, all of that. So those people who were disciples of the disciples and of the, apostles of the, 12, right. of the 12, they believed in the rapture. They taught the rapture. And again, we have to remember that it didn't take long for false teaching to come in. When Jesus was teaching true doctrine, the Pharisees were teaching false doctrine. Okay. And it didn't take long before Jesus was, uh, uh, went back to heaven that uh, false teaching just infiltrated the church in many different ways. Amen. And through the Gnostics and the Judaizers and other, other people. And, and by the time the second century came, Gnosticism was fully blown. And, um, and again, the majority of all the false teaching came from Alexandria in mm -hmm. Egypt. Mm -hmm. And that's where uh, a lot of um, uh, false uh, manuscripts and uh, corrupt manuscripts come from. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that goes into a whole different argument about which are the most re reliable documents or manuscripts. Is it the, uh, uh, the Sinaiticus Vaticanus, which the intellectual world embraces, or is it the Texas Receptus, the one that came from Antioch? Right. Uh, I believe the Texas Receptus is the more accurate one. Yeah. And the Sinaiticus Vaticanus and one more Alexandrian text uh, which Westcott and Hart use uh, are more corrupt texts. Yeah, even though they're older. Right, because they omit so many things uh, that are important in terms of deity, the blood of Jesus and that. But not only that, but those manuscripts had entire passages struck out, crossed out, notes above them. That would be an inferior manuscript that would never be honored as a valid document. So... So these were not manuscripts somebody used in Alexandria. No, no. they were corrupt. They they put them away. Yeah. They either use them for exemplary texts or whatever it was. Yeah, but they were not. Uh, you know, it's interesting though. We shouldn't be surprised at all the false doctrine around today. If no. they had from the second century, they had these same problems that we have. Yes, with people taking it. People are just kind of gravitate towards all these bizarre ideas that are not scriptural and not biblical. Yeah. And, you know, as you, you said earlier, Pastor X, you know, talking about the day of the Lord and all the different things that take place. And so at the rapture, time of the rapture of the church, we see the beginning of this seven-year tribulation. Yes. And that's what the scripture tells us. Yeah. You know, and, and regarding um, even the rapture when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, the idea of the environment that they lived in, you're talking about folks that were getting saved in a radical environment and the pressures that were coming from the Roman Empire and uh, the kind of life they were living and what they were coming out of. And there was pressure on the church and early believers. You know, it's no wonder that Paul wrote, he writes here, and he says in First Thessalonians, and he says, um, uh, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned uh, to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Very clear. That's very clear, isn't very, it? Very clear. Yeah. Very clear. Amen. It is very clear. And to me, yeah. that gives us great hope. Not fear, 
but hope that, you know, the things that we're going to uh, be facing as a church, that he's coming for us. He's, he's not in some part of the universe where he doesn't know or understand. He is connected to us. Yeah. And, and the, good, the good distinction is between 1 Thessalonians and 2. 1 Thessalonians, Jesus comes for his church. 2 Thessalonians, Jesus comes back with his church. Amen. And so he hasn't appointed us to wrath. And a lot of confusion comes, as I said, after Matthew 24. They take the same phraseology, and we'll probably cover that as we move along, uh, uh, about no one knows the day or the hour. Well, the context is very important, the audience and the context during that time to make a distinction between the age of grace and the time of wrath, which is very, very important. You know, Pastor X, as we're talking about the tribulation, and the tribulation is kind of, it's important for us to understand as we differentiate between some of the doctrinal misconceptions about the rapture, how do we differentiate the tribulation from the great tribulation? Well, the Bible is very clear, and we take again um, throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament, but the words of Jesus are the most authoritative, and they don't contradict, they verify everything else taught. Jesus said that um, um, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, flee to the wilderness. That is when the Antichrist will build the temple for the Jews, declare himself to be God, he will enter the temple and demand that everybody worship him. Uh, you find that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, a passage that gives us such information that is not found anywhere else uh, put together. Um, Daniel spoke about that abomination. That was still future. It was not the, uh, the pig offered on the altar by Antiochus Epiphany. He was right, short-term. Right. Yeah. Long-term is the Antichrist, a literal man. And Jesus devised the seven-year tribulation right in the middle, the abomination of the desolation. The first three and a half years are tribulation, false peace. When that abomination happens, then you have great tribulation like never before. At that point, the Antichrist will not tolerate any other worship outside of himself. He will give a number um, or a mark on the right hand and the forehead. We don't know exactly what it is. But once a person accepts it, then they cannot buy. They cannot sell without it. Those that have it can't, but they're damned. Amen. They cannot be saved. Yeah. Uh, so be careful of those teachers that tell you that if you're left behind, you take a mark of the beast, you can still be saved. Not so. It is very, very clear. You know, until just recently, I had never heard that. Yeah. Because it is very clear in Scripture. Yeah. But just recently, there are some notable uh, groups and, and famous teachers that yes. are teaching that people can actually be saved after taking the mark of the beast. Pretty crazy. And that's yeah. Revelation 14 tells us that. Yeah. You are going to be condemned. Amen. And, you know, I guess, well, the Scripture they use to justify themselves is they say that what's the one unpardonable sin? Right. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Well... You're doing essentially the same thing by accepting the mark of the beast. Yeah, you are. You're rejecting the witness of the Holy Spirit that Christ died for your sins on the cross. And, I mean, that's pretty conclusive. You know, I was thinking about this as we're meeting today. I was thinking about, what about the non-believer and hearing about the rapture for the first time? Mm -hmm. What does that mean to them? And, and what does this all mean? It's a pretty crazy thing. Well, yes. And kind of referring to the rapture, you need a couple of things to 
be in place for that to occur, right? Yes. The nation of Israel is proof positive of that. 1948. Yeah. You need a nation. It's interesting. In sharing the gospel with people, that's one of the things that routinely comes up. In fulfillment of prophecy, you know, 2,000 years, there's no nation of Israel. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we have the fulfillment and the opportunity for the fulfillment of all these prophecies. Against all odds, right? They should not be there. Absolutely not. And that's the strongest, one of the strongest evidence of um, the inspiration of Scripture and Aaron infallible. God predicts the future. He gives specific dates. Um, uh, well, not dates in terms of numbers, but the day of things happening. Yes. And events. And he brings them to pass. The rebirth of the nation of Israel. Have Ezekiel 36 and 37. It's a short-term fulfillment. The people back in the land, but the people aren't back with the Lord yet. That will happen during the tribulation, great tribulation. Amen. Short-term, long-term. Um, you have the uh, collecting of his bribe from all the nations, Jew and Gentile, one in Christ Jesus. You have the uh, constant reminder that um, um, there'll be uh, days such as uh, never before, ungodliness, like the days of Noah, like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Certainly we see this very evident today in the world mm-hmm. with the acceptance of uh, an amoral society. Uh, there's no morals. There's no ethics. Um, uh, there's really no um, no desire to judge anybody. It's all politically correct. Um, the evil and the and the people who are doing wrong they are protected. It's the person who is uh, moral, upright, uh, who abides by the law. They're the ones that are being victimized because of this victim mentality of of, of the world. And it's really, uh, it, it leads to anarchy. It is. It a- does. Absolute anarchy. And, and, it, and it's interesting, the tentacles spread out across the, the landscape. Yes. Even in Christian circles, people who are believers, we have that same kind of confusion and chaos right. in the theology that we deal with. And, right. and again, talking about the rapture, we have how many different uh, versions of how the rapture is supposed right. to take place i think there are what like four yeah. different perspectives mm-hmm. from different people and it it really feeds off of this the absence right. the authority of scripture right and wrong understanding of those things plainly right. and clearly and again because people. they don't look at the context yeah. so you know we believe in the pre-trip in other words we're going to be raptured before the seven years right uh pre-trip pre-millennial uh there are those who believe in mid-trip mm-hmm. that the church is going to go through the first three and a half years, and then the Lord's going to remove us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that in itself is crazy because it, it, the Bible is very clear that it's seven years of wrath, and yeah. God has not appointed us to wrath. And um, it, that would bring us right up to the abomination of desolation. That would still put us under the, the influence and control of the Antichrist. Yes. Yeah. It would be impossible for the Antichrist to be present three and a half years and the church be silent. But the folks that, that make that argument, they say, well, the church needs to be purified. Yeah. That's, yeah. It, and that's, yeah. that's a baseless argument. Right. right. But it's an emotional, subjective argument. It has nothing to do with Scripture. So again, they take Scripture out of context. They get very symbolic. Right. Very creative. Right. And they don't take the word literal, words literal, or, you know, and when it's figurative, it still is literal, those using figurative language. Uh, so we have to look at the context to make sure that we're talking about the right thing. Amen. Uh, so you have the pre, mid, and then you have post. Post means that 
the church will be removed at the end of the seven years. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. We're going up just to come down. Um, once again, where do you put the bema seat of Christ? The minute the rapture happens, the church goes forward and goes before God, and we are rewarded at the bema seat of Christ. We have the wedding in heaven. The honeymoon's down a thousand years when we come back with him. Okay, Matthew 25 is the second return, not the rapture. Right, it's second coming. It's been taught wrong by many. Mm -hmm. Again, they they don't look at the context. If you read Matthew 24 and 25, they go together. It is second coming, second coming, second coming. No one knows the day or the hour in verse 36 of Matthew 24. speaks about no one knows the day or the hour of the beginning of the day of the Lord. He's speaking to the Jew. The Jew's not going to go in the rapture unless they're born again. Amen. And then they're Christians. Right. And so the Jew will go through tribulation. So the, no one knows the day or the hour of the day of the Lord, which just necessarily the rapture happens the same day. But he's not dealing with the rapture because he's speaking to the Jew in Matthew. Mm -hmm. In Luke, it's completely different. Pray that you'll be worthy to escape all these things. Luke chapter 21. That's right. Yeah. And it's interesting because on the world scene, all the players are in place in respect to the rapture and the day of the Lord. Well, we were talking about that before the broadcast. Yes. You know, uh, It's kind of an interesting balancing act for us as believers today because we see so many of the issues. I mean, this uh, the mark of the beast issue. You know, Pastor Xavier said, you know, we don't know exactly what that is on the right hand or the forehead. But Lord knows we speculate about it all the time mm, sure. because we see the potential for an economic system. You know, uh, uh, the issue in throughout the book of Reve Revelation where all the world sees particular issues transpire, uh, particular events come to pass, and all the people of the world see it. Never before in right. the history of this right. world have we had a technology that allowed for people in every corner of the world to witness an event in real time. Yeah, and we, we're seeing also that, I mean, for the past 25 years, there's a very consistent and very loud cry for a one-world currency. Absolutely. Um, <coughs> in fact, Henry Spack, uh, uh, leader of the common market back in... Sheesh, 48, he says, um, we don't need another committee to get us out of the economic morass, whether we need one man with sufficient stature to get us out of this, whether he be from God or Satan, we will receive him, end of quote. Man, that's wild. Pretty crazy. Yes. And so the one world, one monetary, everything. And right now you cannot do any, any bank transactions without it being logged electronically. If you go to the bank... And you remove under ten thousand, they'll have no problem. Even if you just move it around, but once you go over ten thousand, they're going to ask you all kinds of questions. Yeah, they report it. Okay, everything is reported. Mm -hmm. Every transaction. That's why they want debit cards. It's going from the debit card. Some people even have tried chips and animals, and then some people have even taken chips. Well, in certain governments in right. Sweden right now, they're doing that on a so large scale. These are all just stepping stones to yeah. the ultimate mark of Amen. the beast. And we, I mean, again, we speculate about these things. We don't know exactly how the Lord's going to fulfill these prophecies. Right. But we see this one world currency, there is an impending economic collapse. The, the United States is the world's trade uh, currency, the dollar today, and has been for the last 50 years or more. 
And the United States is more than $20 trillion in debt. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, much more, actually. <coughs> and when, and so that we see that as an impending collapse. There's going to be a worldwide economic collapse. Yeah. And what is going to fill the void? What's going to take the place? What's. That's for the Antichrist to figure that's out. Right? Right. That's right. That's that's what we think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And this is a thing, again, that could happen at any time. You know, these these competing theories of what happens with the rapture, Pastor Xavier, uh, the the mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, and then the, uh, the pre-wrath rapture. Pre-wrath rapture by uh, Norman Rosenthal. Rosenthal, right. Yeah. Now, this is from the 1990s, right? Um, I forget exactly. I think so. See. I think so. It's, it it's might very have been. Recent. It's mid '80s or close to '90s. Uh, he used to be a pre-trib, mm-hmm. but like, as if we need another thing. So he's saying three-quarter rapture is what he's talking about, which is even crazier because there's nothing to substantiate it. Right. right. Um, again, we're to study to show ourselves to prove, like uh, Acts seventeen eleven, to find out if those things are so. Um, the most important thing is. Um, uh, the context of what you're reading, um, what precedes it, what follows it, what is the theme of the book, what is the section that you're in, uh, so that you interpret it properly. Mm-hmm. The context, the background, historical background, the language, whether it be Greek, Aramaic, or Hebrew, and so that you find out what it meant to the people of that day. Once you find out what it meant to the people of that day, then you can make application, whether it be straight across or in principle. He, so, he uh, wrote it in uh, 1990. 90? Okay, yep. 1990. Right Rosenthal. there. Rosenthal. Right yeah. You know, we, it would be great for us to spend a little bit more time talking about the accurate perspective of the pre-tribulation rapture. Maybe we'll do that after we take a break. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Keep It Simple, and we'll be right back with you after these messages. Have you ever wondered what the Bible says about the rapture or angels or even about life and death? Well, in the new doctrinal series of the Bible, just released by Pastor Xavier Reese, you'll discover answers to these questions and so much more. In this brand new USB flash drive and MP3 audio format, you'll find over 50 messages included from a sermon series entitled, What About? You'll hear these full-length messages answering numerous questions about God, the scriptures, and the Christian faith. It's the What About Doctrinal Series of the Bible, available now for just $19.99 plus shipping from the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. It's a PC-Mac compatible MP3 audio USB flash drive from Pastor Xavier Reese from his What About Doctrinal Series for just $19.99 plus shipping. Available now in the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. That's calvarychapelpasadena.com. Pastor Xavier Reese and the favored of the Lord. The fact that Israel exists as a nation today is a miracle fulfilled. Three times in the scripture, God says, Israel is the apple of his eye. Do you know that? For he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. Let me tell you, those who touch Israel, they're adding to their own hurt. Check the online program guide for Pastor Xavier Reese's daily expositional studies here on Simple Truths Radio at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Now available in the online store at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. It's the complete verse-by-verse audio commentary of the scriptures from Genesis through Revelation. Taught by Pastor Xavier Rees from Calvary Chapel Pasadena's pulpit. Over 600 messages spanning the entire Bible. You'll receive the complete series in MP3 format contained on a single reusable USB flash drive that's both PC and Mac compatible for just $39.99. 
It's the simple truths of God's Word, a commentary of all 66 books, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, compiled together in one convenient flash drive, ready to be loaded onto your computer or mobile device. Hear and study the Word of God at your own pace, anytime, anywhere. That's the verse-by-verse audio commentary of the entire Bible by Pastor Xavier Reese, contained on one PC Mac-compatible flash drive for just $39.99. Look for it in the audio messages section of the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. That's calvarychapelpasadena.com. We return now to Keep It Simple and this week's discussion, addressing issues of consequence for the church. Hosted by Pastor Xavier Reese of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. And you're back with us here at Keep It Simple. Today, uh, our special guest, Pastor Fernando Gonzalez, talking about a lot of important issues. We'd like to encourage you to communicate with us here at Keep It Simple as you have opportunity. Uh, You can reach us via, probably the easiest way, via email. Yeah, that that works. Uh, Simple truth at ccpas.com. Uh, you could also message us uh, on our Instagram or Facebook uh, account at Simple Truth Radio. And, you know, with that in mind, if you have questions or specific issues, mm-hmm. we've got some really uh, wonderful broadcasts coming up in the weeks to come. We're hoping uh, this coming Tuesday on the 21st to be able to talk to our brother Rafi, who's spent the last two weeks in the Philippines helping with issues over there from a recent typhoon and doing some work. And we're praying for him right now as uh, there has been some problems with air travel leaving Manila Airport. And apparently from what we're seeing in messages from him, he was able to get on the jet to return home today. And so we're looking forward to seeing Rafi in the week on the 28th, we're hopeful to have our sister and brother Vincent and Melissa Anaku from Midigo, Uganda on the broadcast. Looking forward to that. So please keep us in prayer. And if you have questions, please communicate. Today, as we're taking some time to talk about the rapture and going over those issues, uh, Pastor X talking about the, the whole idea of the pre-tribulation rapture. And one of the things I have to ask you really moved me to embrace that doctrine because, you know, you go to a church and they teach particular things and you you want to look at them. You want to examine them and make up your own mind. Well, is do I believe this is what the scripture says? The thing that really has persuaded me as a believer in support of the pre-tribulation rapture is the doctrine of the imminent return of Christ, which is only compatible with that one perspective. And we see that throughout the New Testament. Yeah. It's taught everywhere. Yeah, we're supposed to live in such a way that he can come at any time for us. Right. We're to be ready. Yeah. We're to be praying. We're to be watching. And um, because in such a time as you think not, the Son of Man comes. Uh, for his bride. Uh, we don't want to confuse that with the second coming. Um, that second coming will also take people unaware because they don't believe it. Even though they know it, they don't believe it. You know, and when you're in a house and, and somebody tells you someone's going to break in your house, and if you don't believe it, they could break in that night, catch you by surprise, even though you know it. You're still surprised. <laughs> or if you're ignorant to it, they're broken in, you're still surprised, right? right? <laughs> Pastor X, the, the teaching of the church as the bride of Christ, this is not something that was really understood prior to the New Testament period. People didn't really have a perspective of it. Right, and that's a metaphor, one of the, the most important metaphors that are found in the New Testament, that uh, we are the bride of Christ, Jew and Gentile one. Um, the epistle to Ephesians is probably um, the most um, um, evident of that. 
as he deals with a parallel that is found nowhere else in Scripture, Christ to his bride, the church, and the husband to the wife. And he puts them side by side. And so the Old Testament relationship of God with Israel was that she was his wife. And the wife was put away because she committed spiritual adultery against God. In fact, yeah. he put her into um, uh, captivity. Um, the northern king to Assyria, and then later on Babylon, the southern kingdom, uh, brought him back. Um, and, and she was the wife that was to be restored. Uh, the book of Hosea is classic for that, as he's called to take Gomer back after committing adultery against him and having children that were not his. And, uh, and he takes her back prophetically. And so the wife has been married, put away by unfaithfulness. Jesus came to his own, his own received them not, meaning his own the Jew. Right. The scriptures, the oracles of God were given to the Jew. Jesus wept over Jerusalem in Matthew 23, 37, 39. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stoned the prophets. How many times I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. And he wept over Jerusalem, and now I leave unto you desolate. And you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That is the second coming. And so the wife of God has been rebellious, completely rejecting the gospel, having been rejected by his own. And therefore, Jesus extended the gospel to the Gentile. Paul the Apostle always went to the Jew first, through the book of Acts, to the synagogue, and then, as they reject him, they went to the Gentile. In the book of Ephesians, again, Jew and Gentile one. Uh, Colossians also, Galatians says, neither Scythian, barbarian, male, female, Jew, Gentile, bond, free, all one in Christ Jesus. Yes. doesn't mean there's no distinction between a man and a woman or a slave or one that's free. It's meaning that when you repent towards God, we are all the same. No one can use their standings, their stature, their wealth, or their person for meriting salvation. That's the context. We're all, it's all level ground right. at the foot of the cross. Absolutely. Amen. And so the distinction between the wife that's been put away, now the bride, the bride mm -hmm. of the virgin bride, she's looking for a wedding. When the rapture happens, we're married in heaven. The wedding takes place. Wedding in feast to the Lamb, okay. It is Jew and Gentile. Now, you have a lot of things going on today. You have uh, Jewish synagogues that they're called Messianic synagogues. There are actually quite a okay. few. Right. Yeah. Those Jews who have accepted Jesus Christ, and they accepted him as Lord and Savior. Okay? Uh, and I have nothing against them, though you have to be careful that you don't start putting a greater emphasis on the ritualistic aspect of the Jewish faith, and that often happens tragically. And they exalt themselves as being somehow better than the average Christian. Well, let's go back to the New Testament. Paul the Apostle was a hero of Hebrews, a tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth Amen. day. He ran circles around his contemporaries. And he says, I counted all that as a pile of manure for the excellent knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul did not go out and began uh, messianic synagogues or churches. No. He went and established churches of Jesus Christ, Jew and Gentile. When a Jew got saved, he was part of the Christian church. He was a Christian now. Yes, yes. And unfortunately, because of the opposition of 
Jewish traditionalists in the first century, many of those Jews left their right. synagogues and their communities and, and had to reestablish them. There's a lot of yes. persecution. At a great cost. Yeah. At a great cost. That was terrible. Book of Hebrews is very clear about that in other yes. places as well. You know, Pastor X, do we find in the Old Testament any references to the rapture of the church or God's purpose? We know God doesn't change right. from beginning to end. He's, he's had this plan all along. Do we find particular issues that give us give rise to that perspective in the Old Testament? Well, sometimes they're they're, they're called types. Okay. Um, the Bible says that uh, all things are written for our learning. They're, they're, they're tokens or types or shadows of things to come. The Book of Hebrew interprets that a lot regarding Jesus Christ, the Mosaic Law, everything in the Tabernacle. Um, but literally in the old testament we don't find much it can go one way or the other now they try to use um enoch okay as a type and we in elijah when he was taken up as well, a type well when when you translate the the old testament into greek the word harpazo actually is violently right caught up suddenly yeah so we see a parallel what i call a parallel okay because what a true type is this. This is the way you know it's a true type. It's prophetic in the Old Testament. It points forward. And the fulfillment is the anti-type. And that's how you know that's a true type. So I call many things parallels because they're not prophesied in its fulfillment. All right? So we have to be careful. There's a lot of things that I understand the innocence of it saying this is a type of like Enoch or Elijah, uh-huh. but I find it a parallel. Yeah. Okay. So it's too easy to kind of spiritualize right. those you, you things. Can, you, we can be guilty of the same thing we're accusing others of. Amen. And so um, a true type is prophetic, like all the emblems in the tabernacle, the bread, uh, um, the incense, the altar, everything, gold, silver, brass, all redemption, speaking about Jesus Christ. Those were emblems and shadows and types fulfilled in Christ. Amen. Those are real types because they're prophetic and they're fulfilled. And in fact, when they're fulfilled, they're said they're fulfilled. Amen. We have that in Scripture. It's interesting, you know, uh, people who like, for instance, support the idea of a mid-tribulation or post-tribulation rapture, they point to the words of Jesus in the Gospels. He told us we will suffer tribulation, but to be of good cheer, he's overcome. Right. How do we differentiate that from... Well, Jesus said in the world you should have tribulation, be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we must distinguish between the tribulation the church has always gone through. You know, the first century church was not like the church in America. It was not accepted. No. It was persecuted. In fact, Paul killed Christians. Paul incarcerated Christians. Paul caused Christians to blaspheme. Paul carried Christians off to jail by letters of the Hebrew. That's what he was doing on his way up to Damascus when the Lord saved him. So the tribulation in the world is because Jesus is no longer here. And therefore, if someone really wants to get to me, they get to my children. Amen. Okay? So he's no longer here, so you get to the children, the, the children of God. So there's a difference between tribulation, suffering, persecution, because we're identified with Christ as Christians and we stand for our faith, and those who will go through the tribulation and great tribulation that comes directly from the wrath from the throne of God. Very clearly in the Old Testament known as the day of the Lord. Revelation chapter 6 to 18, the day of the Lord. So it's interesting. So both 
the rapture of the church, Christ coming for his church, and the second coming, the return of Christ, those are both have about judgment. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Before, Jim, Jim, before, I'm sorry, ahead. but to your point, it's, just, uh, it's interesting because you, when, you, when you speak about tribulation re, in respect to the saint, uh, yeah, we're going to suffer as believers on this side of heaven, Amen. but the period of the tribulation, that's God's wrath on the non-believer. Right. right. That's a clear distinction of the two. Yeah. That's important. That's yeah. important. Right yeah. now, the tribulation is because they hate us and Jesus is not here. Right. During the seven-year tribulation, that wrath is directly from the throne of God. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. I think you said earlier in the, the broadcast, Pastor X, you were making reference to the fact that one of God's purposes in the removal of the church is the completing of his work concerning the nation Israel. Yes. I'm understanding that properly. Because he's focusing back on Israel. Okay. Now, many people teach, the majority of the church teaches what's called replacement theology. Okay. Replacement theology is this, and it's taught by kingdom theology, domain theology. The majority of the teachers on the radio today and TV, mm-hmm. that we the church are now the new Israel. We are Israel, and God is through with Israel of old, and will have none to do with it ever again. Well, that's completely unbiblical. Jesus says that he would deal with them once again. They would cry out for him to return. They're going to go through those seven years. He's going to redeem his wife, give her a thousand-year reign on the earth, and you must make that distinction. And if you don't, then you're mixing everything up. It's interesting that there's so little in Scripture about our service to the Lord during the great during the millennial reign. You know, we right. know that we're going to serve, we're going to rule with him, but we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing. <laughs> right, but great, but great detail about the, uh, about the, the, the nation. Nation which Israel. Is the wife of, yes. of, of, of Israel. Yeah. Uh, of, of God, I'm sorry. So we must make the distinction. The church is not Israel. The church is not the kingdom. The church will not set up the kingdom. Yet the church is part of the kingdom but Jesus will remove his church, come back and return, and set up the kingdom. Amen. He does that. It's wild that people who go up in the rapture, and again, we're talking about this, we may be the generation. These are people who are never going to die physically. Right. They're the only ones that escape death. Yeah. Interesting. Wild. Um, in the process of the rapture, right? That's it. In the moment, in the twink of an eye. Changed. Gone, we're changed. Yeah. We're going to have a different body. God's going to give us a new body. You know, it's fascinating. Both you guys earlier in the broadcast were quoting First uh, Thessalonians. And Pastor X, you talked about First Thessalonians, that <coughs> the Lord comes for his church. Second Thessalonians, he comes with his church. Wild to think that the Apostle Paul was able to lay all this information out for those yeah. people. And he was there with them, what, a very short time? Three weeks. Three weeks yeah. That's all we know. <laughs> he he did a, an amazing job. Right. So the people that say, you know, you got to wait till you're 10, 20 years before you read the book of Revelation, study it. That's crazy. <laughs> the minute you're born again, you have the Spirit of God. You have the mind of Christ. You can sit down and start learning the Word of God. It's interesting in the book of Revelation, as you mentioned, how in Jesus' words to the seven churches, how... Uh, the idea of the rapture of the church and the tribulation come up so prominently to those particular churches that yes. he's speaking to. The whole warning is, uh, repent, lest I come back and find you unrepented. 
and he's warning Christians in those seven churches. And the Church of Philadelphia is right. going to escape the tribulation. The Church of right. Sardis, the persecuted right. church. Right. Pretty amazing. It's it's so important, you know, Pastor X, as we talk about this, so important for us to have a clear perspective of biblical doctrine. And the only way you get that is by reading the scripture. You have to study hard. Amen. And studying the scripture. Yeah, continuously. Because there are so many uh, opinions and there are so many different um, uh, schools of thought. And, and you have to take every opinion and every school of thought and take them to the scriptures. Amen. And you let the scripture, that's the plumb line. You know, we as we're talking here and discussing these issues, uh, specifically we brought up uh, the time of the Great Tribulation, the mark of the beast, that everybody's going to be required. We got a uh, message from somebody. We do. On Instagram, somebody just sent me a message. This is actually her first time tuning in to our uh, broadcast, and she's from Montebello, California. She says, hello, is it possible to obtain the scripture uh, and its reference regarding those who take the mark during the tribulation. I too thought that they would be saved, but after today's broadcast, realized that it is a contradiction to Scripture. Thank you so much. Amen. Important stuff. Amen. You know, it's it's great. Revelation uh, fourteen. Yeah. Amen. Um, um, Fernando's going to pull it up right now, but it's during the tribulation period where those who take the mark of the beast. Um, if they take it, they they are they are damned. Amen. Um, and you need that mark to buy or sell, and and probably one of the greatest revivals is going to be during the Great Tribulation. There will be many. In fact, the people under the fifth seal are praying, "How long, O Lord?" And God says, uh, "Kick back. There's many more to be killed, and they are dying for rejecting the mark." Yeah. These are people that have been left behind. People who rapture. did not hear the gospel people prior. Who, People that perhaps walked away from God Amen. and went back in the world. Or people that heard and didn't believe. You know what I mean? Oh. Well, here in Revelation uh, 14, 9, uh, it says here, uh, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. Seems pretty conclusive. And, pretty clear. Oh, and absolutely. And then it says here in verse 11, And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Amen. So, a lot of people may say a lot of different things uh, to the caller. What's her name? Uh, I, you know what? I don't have a first name, okay. but I have her Instagram. Anyway. Okay, the person who called up, um, yes. the, the sister. Um, it is very clear you go to the scriptures and you compare to what people say. And so, we know that God forgives any sin and every sin if we truly are repentant. But there's very clear warning to those who are left behind when they go through the tribulation that once they receive the mark of the beast, there's no going back. That's why the distinction between those under the fifth seal who have been, by the way, beheaded and killed, most of them beheaded, right. for their faith. Um, and they did that to not be damned. They did that as an evidence of their love for the Lord, right. their true commitment. And those who have taken the mark have taken the mark 
in fear that they be beheaded and they accept that the benefit of the mark rather than the benefit of Christ. And it's very, very clear, the contrast. Amen. Amen. Very clear. Pastor X is, uh, we're going through, again, talking about this, this issue of the rapture. There are other references in the beginning of the book of Revelation that talk about what looks like specifically the church being caught up into heaven. Right. As John lays out those issues and shows us plainly and clearly how they will proceed at the time of the beginning of the Great Tribulation. You have the first, uh, the first chapter of Revelation, you have the glorified Christ. Right. Uh, he oversees the church, they're in his hands, he's in control. Chapter 2 and 3 are the message to the churches, seven churches. Number seven is the number of completeness, not perfection. And he warns, five out of seven, Satan's already in there. And he has the suffering church, Sardis, that he has no complaint about. And Philadelphia, the ones who are who will be kept from the hour with the article. The hour means the tribulation period. Yes. Then in the beginning of chapter 4, the church is caught up to heaven. They're before the throne of grace. Jesus is there. The elders are there. They cast their crown at his feet. Um, chapter 5, they sing a song that only the church can be singing. Uh, John is weeping, and the angel says, Weep now for the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has prevailed, Amen. and he is worthy. And, and the church is before the throne of so grace. So from that time forward in the book of Revelation, we have the church in heaven with right. the Lord. The, word, the first word is metatelta, after these things. It's okay. repeated, chapter 4 there. The church is before the throne of grace. And then the next thing we find out in chapter 6, verse 1, the Antichrist appears on a white horse with a bow, no arrow. He conquers through diplomacy. And you have the four horse of the apocalypse. Amen. Amen. Peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon them. The Bible is very, very clear. You know, it, it maybe the Apostle Paul has more to say about the, the rapture of the church than any other particular author in Scripture. But it's interesting that Jesus in John 14, yes. at the time of his suffering, that he brings this out, makes that the plain Very, issue. very clear. Yeah. The highest authority. Amen. Amen. And so we have great hope. And call, in fact, it's called the blessed hope in Titus 2.13. The blessed hope. Our hope is what? Our hope is that we're not going to be here for the day of the uh, of the Lord, the rapture. I mean, the wrath, the wrath of God, and all that. We're going to yes. be removed Amen. in the rapture, the harpazo. Uh, the ra word rapture comes from the Latin word rapiri, taken from the uh, uh, Latin Vulgate, but the word is harpazo, which means suddenly, violently. In fact, in, in John's Gospel, chapter ten, where Jesus says, "No man can can." Um, snatch you out of, uh, of my hand, uh -huh. the word there in the New King James and King James snatch is harpazo. No one can take you suddenly and violently against me. He's not saying that you can't walk away. He's saying no one can take you from me forcibly. That's important distinction. Important. There's not a woman in the world that can take me away from my wife. I have to give permission. Amen. There's the distinction you must make. Otherwise, you are living a very um, false hope of assurance. Your hope of assurance is abiding in Jesus Christ. Not on what you've done in the past, but do you have a relationship with Him right now and continue to walk with Him. Very, very important. Looking for Jesus Christ, not Antichrist. Amen. Amen. Wild, and throughout the book of Acts, you know, as we look at the conduct of the church, you see 
constantly over and over again as the apostles preach the gospel that they're warning people. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, the apostle Peter in a couple of different places that he says, you know, to to bring about the time of refreshing coming from on high. Right. You know, the Lord's going to return. These things is our hope. This is what we're looking forward to in 1 John uh, chapter 3 where the uh, the apostle John talks about the importance yeah. of the doctrine of the imminent return yeah. of Christ. If every, everyone who has this hope purifies himself, even as he is pure. Amen. Um, we don't know where we're going to be, but we're going to be just like him. <clears throat> and that's our hope for all our listeners out there, that as you hear the words of Scripture, your heart would be moved by the presence of the Lord and just drawn to him. For those who don't believe in Christ or have never received Christ, this is a great opportunity. Absolutely. Open your heart to him. He loves you. Um, you don't have to worry about being left behind as long as you're saved and you're walking with God. Amen. And the evidence is you won't be living the way you were prior to accepting Christ. His grace is sufficient. So don't make it complicated. Keep it simple. God bless you guys. been listening to Keep It Simple with your host, Pastor Xavier Reese on Simple Truths Radio. We hope today's broadcast has informed, encouraged, and challenged you in your own personal walk with Christ. For more information regarding Simple Truths Radio Ministries or Calvary Chapel Pasadena, please visit calvarychapelpasadena.com. We hope you'll be back for our next discussion and may God richly bless your day.